Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 95th episode of the award-winning Diverse Minds Podcast. And as you know, for June, the theme has been corporate social responsibility. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about shaking up your recruitment practices, which may or may not fall into corporate social responsibility for you. But given that this is a hot topic around recruitment and can link to the other themes that we've talked about this month, I thought it would be really interesting to pick up on this. And I wanted to make an episode on this topic as I often, often, often get asked about this in an ad hoc way and employers see it as a way to solve any perceived equality, diversity and inclusion gaps they may have. Often when an equality issue comes to the fore, like we have seen with race equality, gender diversity, um, sexual violence towards women, sexual orientation, age, the first reaction is to talk about recruitment. Now, while this is super important and workplaces need to represent their client users, customers, service users, it's only part of the picture. It is the start of a pipeline. But if you're going to keep doing things in the same way, then nothing is going to change. So if you keep doing your recruitment processes in the way that you've always done them, it's not not going to change and you're going to get the same results. It may shift in one direction for a period of time. You may get better results. But if you don't do anything to retain people, then you're going to go back to square one. No doubt, diversity in recruitment will be no stranger to you. It's something most people are very familiar with, no matter who you've worked for. And I don't know a large company or organization who has really cracked it. There are many research reports that talk about the benefits and provide data in relation to having a diverse group of people working for you on a board um, and recruiting in a diverse way. The famous being Why Diversity Matters in 2015 and Delivering Through Diversity in 2018 by McKinsey and Company. They have a third report called Diversity Wins uh, in this series, and this in investigating the business case for diversity. And this latest report shows not only that the business case remains robust, but that also the relationship between diversity on executive teams and the likelihood of financial outperformance has strengthened over time. The findings emerge from their largest data set so far, which encompasses 15 countries and more than 1,000 large companies. So what I think is great about this is it spans across the world and it doesn't just focus on one particular country. Uh, if you're interested in thinking about executive teams and boards, do check out episode 67, Diversifying Boards and Why It Matters. But their 2019 analysis found that companies in the top quartile in terms of profit for gender diversity on executive teams were 25% more likely to have above average profitability than companies in the fourth quartile. So this was up from 21% in the 2017 data set and 15% in their 2014 data set. So actually there's a 10% uh, jump there in five years. They also found that the greater the representation, the higher the likelihood of outperformance so that companies had a competitive edge. Companies with more than 30% women executives were more likely to outperform companies where this percentage ranged from 10 to 30%. And in turn, these companies were more likely to outperform those with even fewer women executives or none at all. 
And then they looked at ethnic and cultural diversity and their business case findings were equally compelling. So in 2019, so the data set from 2019, top quartile companies outperformed those in the fourth quartile by 36% in profitability. And this was slightly up from 33% in 2017 and 35% in 2014. And interestingly, the likelihood of outperformance continues to be higher for diversity and ethnicity than for gender. Now, of course, this is a snapshot of two identity elements. It, if you then took disability, sexual orientation, age, caring status, et cetera, and created a workplace that is truly inclusive and supportive, I'm sure it wouldn't just be the profits that increased, but the whole work environment would be super positive, thus saving money on recruitment, grievances, reputation, et cetera. And often you can't really put a price on the other bits as it's so valuable. Of course you can try, of course there'll be ways to model it, but I don't know if it always captures the feeling that people have when they work in a truly positive and inclusive environment. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, most organizations really struggle and get stuck. The word hard to reach crops up. <laughs> then when someone out of the usual mold is recruited, there often seem to be quote unquote issues. It's a case of, oh, you see, we tried and it didn't work. And this is why shaking up recruitment practices are absolutely crucial, as is looking at the whole life cycle of employment from application to farewell. And it doesn't need to be complicated. This can often be a sticking point that people make it much harder than it needs to be and they panic and they um and ah. This also doesn't have to be and shouldn't simply sit with HR. It is a whole organizational approach. So I really hope you're enjoying the content of this podcast. And if you want to keep up to date, then why not join my bi-monthly newsletter? If you join my mailing list, you will receive a free copy of my ebook, The Mentally Healthy Leading Manager, and the link's in the show notes, but I'll also read it out here for you. It's bit.ly forward slash M-H-L-M-E-B-K-L-N-K. And don't worry, you don't need to memorize it. The link is in the show notes. Okay, so I'm telling you this, I've told you that you need to start thinking about and shaking up your recruitment practices, but how do you do it? And I'm going to share some ideas with you from organizations that I've worked with and advised, and I, so I hope these will be really useful for you. So the first area is internships. Now, I want to be very clear and say these should be paid internships, paid and travel included. So this is really crucial because often what happens and we've seen it it comes in and out of the news is that internships they're for a particular slice of society and we see this in creative industries we see it in parliament we see it in political roles and for charities but if you really want to make a difference this is one place to start and also you might be hearing this and thinking well an internship a short-term placement and yes it is but if someone gains their experience and they have a really great time with you they go on somewhere else positive reputation and of course once they are upskilled even more they may return to you so the other thing is you've got to think long term about this but setting up your own internships using the data you have on recruitment as a driver to do this making contacts with other organizations to see how this has worked for them collaborating with organizations like the Windsor Fellowship work with global majority young people Leonard Cheshire Disability Black Interns 100 they are just some examples examples um, and including a statement in your recruitment for this. So for example, black disabled candidates with who have experienced mental ill health or supported family members with a, a mental ill health are underrepresented in X sector. And this scheme internship is in accordance with section 158 of the Equality Act. And we particularly welcome candidates who would identify with this background. And you can also 
have the, be part of the disability confidence, so have a guaranteed interview scheme. So this is focusing on disability, which is great and absolutely legal under the Equality Act, where disabled people are underrepresented in the workplace. Plus, this is an internship, so it's slightly different. You may also know at the moment, as I'm recording this, there is something called the Kickstart Scheme, which is run by the government for 16 to 24-year-olds. Um, so there are lots of hubs. You might want to look in your local area if you type in Kickstart uh, for 16 to 24-year-olds. Now, of course, it, you can't recruit for specific backgrounds, but again, you could include a positive action statement. Um, and a lot of the people in the 16 to 24 group and many of the people who would be likely to apply for Kickstart may be from backgrounds that have been seen as underrepresented or that you've not engaged with in the right way. And then thinking about that positive action statement, it might seem like a small thing to do, but why not create your own equality, diversity and inclusion strap line to ensure maximum impact? Uh, as I mentioned, you know, we particularly welcome applications from, uh, from people or candidates of color, global majority, BAME, whichever word you're using, disabled, LGBTQIA+, uh, candidates who have caring responsibility, et cetera, who are currently underrepresented or we recognize that we're not engaging with in our workforce. We know a diverse workforce will enable us to understand drivers behind you know, X sector or X work that we're doing in an in-depth way and do better work. You can absolutely do that. So think about a strap line, not just for internships, but generally. I would also say my third tip is to consider and create what it's, it is like to work here for upcoming roles to ensure staff, potential staff have clarity. So clarity around what the work involves, the mission, the values of the organization, what any of your corporate social responsibility work that you're doing, and videos can then be shared with key groups. And if you get it right, in fact, you could do a bit of co-production and work with your staff networks or any staff that you have who would identify with groups that you'd like to to engage more with and think about how to share those videos and if they're really good they're going to be a success on Instagram on Twitter on Facebook and getting everyone to share them sharing them with your personal networks so this is a really good way for staff to feel proud to input ideas into the video and share their passion uh, for the work they do and you can also use any metrics you have in a staff survey if you do one and integrate that into what a good place you are to work for and videos can be used more extensively for recruitment to encourage a more diverse pool of applicants as measured by recruitment forms. Okay, my fourth tip then is about replacing the CV and cover letter with a form application process. Um, so this can really encourage accessibility because everyone's being asked the same questions. They're less likely to have coaching on a CV. Um, so create an online form that is readily accessible in various formats and do check that it's compatible with any assistive technology like screen readers, screen amplification, anything at all. I would really say you need to test that. Make sure it also has the option for spell check and grammar check. This is great for everyone, but in particular, candidates whose dyslexia manifests in that way. Not using education in grades as an initial sift. So this is going to be huge for a lot of people, for a lot of organizations. But I would say in some cases, maybe you do need to know. And I know that there are jobs where this is important, but it's really not every job. So consider why do we need to know education? Why do we need to know someone's school? Why do we need to know grades? I think it's far better to think about a test or a small thing that people maybe write or do. So this is super important. And I think it can really, really create some important shifts.
The fifth thing is to reach wider audiences. So once you've decided on how you're going to phrase your advertisement or what you're doing, where do you place it? So this can often be a real bone of contention. Oh, well, you know, HR do it and they always place it in the same places. And I think this is one of the key issues. So how are you going to reach a wider variety of audiences? And I would say one of the things is, yes, you can place it on lots of different networks and websites. And I'm going to list some here for you in a moment. But how do you build those relationships? So I think it's more, you yes, you do need to list it on the website, but make contact with people from these um, diverse recruitment organizations um, and make sure that they know you, your mission, your vision, and what you're trying to do. Because again, you're more likely to get better outcomes. So we've got Even Break, and that's a website for uh, disability, um, BAME Recruitment, Rare Recruitment, uh, My G Work, which is for the LGBTQI plus community, um, Diversity Dashboard, that's General Diversity versus CEDA, My Diversity. Have a look at, if you're in the, in the tech industry, Black Tech Network. We Are The City is really great. Women in Tech, run by Maggie Berry. Tech Pixies, The Wise Campaign, which is women in, in science and engineering. For age, there's renegade age generation, age-friendly employers. Now, they're just a few things. You might also like to check out Credit Suisse because they have, they're the most well-known women returner scheme. So for women who have had children or have had caring responsibilities, maybe had some time out and they want to do a returners program have a look at that because it could really give you some good ideas. Yes, it's the financial and banking sector, but of course the concept is applicable. So do have a look at some of those. And I've also included the links in the show notes. Um, sixthly, you know, host a virtual open day. Why don't, you know, we do it for universities. We do it for schools when people are transitioning from primary school to secondary school in the UK and explain the application process for jobs, if it's for interns or for jobs in general. You can work with some of the diversity jobs boards I've mentioned. And yes, it might need to be facilitated carefully and maybe it needs to be for very specific roles. But realizing there is currently no shortage of candidates at the moment, how could you get people to your door to know that you are there? And you can have feedback forms at, you know, after the event, an online feedback form to evaluate the effectiveness, looking at some of the metrics would be increased number of diverse candidates and applicants being shortlisted and successful at interview. So do think about that. And I think it could be really, really powerful. You can get people to sign up. You can show a video. You can have someone hosting it. You can have some current staff talking about what they do. You can have a section that then talks about what we expect from our application forms or if you do want to keep with CVs, how that's going to work. So there's no shortage of ways in which you can do this. And then my seventh tip is around, of course, increasing diversity of panels. If, you, if your team or if your business is very identical with similar sort of people, then why not invite external colleagues if necessary? And then training panels about the subtleties of candidates from different uh, backgrounds and how to be really aware of your behavior and the way you ask questions. And yes, bias can be part of that, but it's also more than that. Training on biases can be part of that in the recruitment process. Provider, after that, provide a standard feedback to all shortlisted candidates and inform candidates that they haven't been shortlisted. You know, I know at the moment that there are thousands of people applying for jobs, but are there ways in which you could give a little bit more bespoke or individualized feedback? 
then use the data that you have from these processes, whatever you're going to do to inform future practices, policies and processes and how you move forward. It is iterative. You might like to, if you go down the route of an internship, to create an intern database to encourage students to apply for or your interns to apply for permanent roles as they come up at your organization. So there's a diverse pool ready to inform and communicate with about post-internship and other opportunities. Um, and finally, this may or may not be relevant to you, but given that we work in a global world, why not consider job adverts in other languages and placing on country-specific job sites depending on the skills or languages required? And this is likely to, to, to result in increased numbers of candidates from non-traditional backgrounds who are bi or multilingual, and also to provide data as provided from a specific job board or specialist. So I appreciate there's quite a lot in there, and I hope that that is really useful. And I know that when organizations have shaken things up, and one example I'll give is the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford, um, when they decided to look at recruiting their visitors service assistants in different ways. So they used to do the traditional application form, invite them in for interview. But what they did as a first shift was to Yes, there was an application form, but then speak to candidates on the phone. Now, this was some years ago. And what happened as a result of that is a lot of the biases about who would make the right kind of person were minimized. So the pool that came in then for an interview, for a face-to-face -face interview, had tattoos, had piercings. It wasn't the usual retired uh, professor or academic um, that they were used to. So small things that you think, oh, well, this sounds very, very basic can actually have a huge impact. And as a result, they really did diversify their pool. Other organizations, so tech startups, looked at new ways of doing things and looking at the tests that they had at recruitment. Uh, were they always, did they need to have tests like that? How do they adapt extra time if anyone declares they have um, a disability or require extra time for whatever reason? Um, and the tests weren't very flexible, so looking at that. And then finally, a great organization called Side Labs and their internships, and I've included a link in the show notes. And their internship was just really open. It was do you think you'd like a career in digital world? We're looking for people from XYZ background. We'd be really interested to hear from you. And they made it super simple and it's run twice and it's been phenomenally successful. So there are lots of examples out there. I've just mentioned a couple and I'm sure there are lots more. Um, and if you just scratch the surface a bit, I'm sure you'll find things that you could use and adapt and also get advice on. So remember, shaking up your recruitment process, it doesn't have to be complicated. Don't panic, but equally be prepared to do things differently and get out of your comfort zone. Think holistically about the whole employee staff lifecycle from application to farewell and how you're building in engagement at every single point. There are lots of options and ways to do things and reframe this perception from hard to reach to how do we reduce our barriers to engagement. Don't forget, you can pilot and review. You don't have to go all guns blazing. You can change things and see what's working well. And then keep track of what's working well and what didn't work very well. It's an iterative process and you will learn from it. And remember, FAIL stands for first attempt in learning. So I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you want to know more about my coaching or how I can help you, please check out diverseminds.co.uk forward slash solutions forward slash coaching. I have one hour power hours if you just want to have a chat with me about some of this and the resources I would also recommend for you are episode 52, The Messy Myth of Meritocracy, episode 67, Diversifying Boards and Why You Need To, and the McKinsey Diversity Wins 2020 article. And I've listed all the websites that I mentioned in terms of diverse recruitment practice in the show notes as well. 
So please, if you've enjoyed this episode, why not leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast from and can leave a review. I'd love to know your thoughts and I always love to connect with listeners. So have a go, shake up your recruitment practices or start to think about it. I look forward to hearing from you and I'll see you in the next episode where I'm joined by Dr. Richard Orifo and we are talking about the Cowrie Foundation Scholarship. So until next time, everyone, take care, stay safe. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.